اگر آپ اسلام کو نہیں مانتے تو آپ کیا عیسائی ہیں آپ ہندو ہیں کہ یا آپ کیا شیطان کی پوجا کرتے ہیں اور کیا اگر آپ خدا پہ بلیو نہیں کرتے تو کیا بلیو کرتے ہیں اگر آپ مسلمان نہیں ہیں یا آپ خدا پہ یقین نہیں رکھتے تو آپ لا مذہب ہیں اردو میں اس کے لیے جملہ ہے لا مذہب لفظ ہے ایتھیزم لا مذہب اگر جتنے بھی ریلیجنس ہیں سب ایف دے ور ڈفرنٹ ٹی وی چینلس ٹھیک ہے کہ ایک ایک ڈزنی چینل ہو گیا ایک ایچ بی او ہو گیا اور ایک فلاں ہو گیا ایک اے آر وائی ایک جی ہو گیا تو ایتھیزم از ایکچولی این آف بٹن اٹ از جسٹ دا لیک آف دین اینڈ دیٹس ریئلی آل دا ریز ہیلو اینڈ ویلکم بیک ٹو پکورڈ مائی نیم از حبیب احمد اینڈ آئی ایم دا ہوسٹ آف دس پوڈ کاسٹ دس از آر سیکنڈ ایپیسوڈ آر پارٹ ٹو فار دی علی رزوی سیریز The first episode was episode number 45, where Ali came to our podcast and he discussed how his search for identity led him to atheism and he shared his life story alongside that too. If you haven't heard that episode already, I strongly recommend you do prior to this one. In this episode, he shares more of his mindset and how he thinks about Islam and the world around him and of course Pakistan. This type of information was missing from the first recording that we did and that's why Ali and I got on and did a second recording with this new insight from him. I also asked him how his family and friends took the decision to turn to atheism. And I also asked him more pointed, specific questions, such as, what if Islam was the right religion? Should Pakistanis feel threatened by atheism? What about the miracles of the Quran, which many scholars use to emphasize the authenticity of Islam? And if you don't follow a religion, where do you get your morality from? Ali gave his responses to these questions and also had a lot of questions to ask himself of other Pakistanis and Muslims. Towards the end, we also discussed the unity, or lack thereof, in the Muslim world and in Pakistan, and the struggle to define Sahih Islam or Sahih Muslim in this day and age of so many different mindsets, which contributes to so much of the confusion that Ali felt and a lot of Muslims feel today. A quick warning before we kick off this episode, this can be a very sensitive topic. There is a lot of content in this episode which might be offensive to especially more religious people. So if you are easily offended, I recommend that you don't listen to this episode. Just skip this one. However, if you do have a little bit of tolerance, I strongly recommend that you do listen to this episode because not listening doesn't mean it doesn't exist. People like Ali do exist and we need to understand how different people think so that we can think and strengthen our minds without feeling attacked. And that's why the format of this episode is not a debate. Even though I am a Muslim, I did not get into a debate with Ali and my goal was to extract as much information out of him in this podcast for all of us to listen to. and to promote healthy dialogue. I believe that you can have a good conversation without conflict. So that said, let's continue the episode and pick up where we left off. You know, what I think was missing was uh, from the last time we, we spoke mm-hmm. was, I'm not sure in how much detail we went into. I mean, we spoke about 9-11, we spoke about Pakistan a little bit and we spoke about uh, atheism a little bit too but you didn't tell us exactly when it happened you you t- you mentioned yeah. there were some events that kind of triggered it but I'd love to know like what exact age you were around that time yeah. you know yeah, and how yeah, you kind yeah. of approached it and then of course how you how you kind of uh, revealed it like came out of the closet you know so to speak <laughs> uh yeah masla ye hai ki you know I've never actually quantified it matlab You know, it's, these are things that are not easy to quantify. Like it's hard to identify a single trigger. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's a, it was a process, right? It doesn't, I didn't necessarily choose this 
it's just a process like anything. It's like accepting religion. It's the same way you sort of gradually phase out of it. I think if I could articulate it the best way, in my opinion, is, and this is obviously just my experience on the matter. It, you know, we talked a little bit about the regression of communities after 9-11. Communities like re regressed back into their own sort of cocoons. Um, they became sort of like hardened and like very strict. You know, it kind of, to me, it exposed the type of groups we all were. You know, we were frightened. We were fragile. And the ones that stood the test of that time were those that weren't sort of overtly religious people from my perspective. So I think one of the, the main things in like the mid 2000s that happened to me uh, was like, I, I started noticing people when giving the, given the choice, you know, whether you need to be religious or need to be more accepting, they chose the religious path because it was just the easiest thing to do. They were probably being attacked from all sides. They wanted to connect with uh, their community and, and their community wanted to be identified more, you know, with religion. And it wasn't just doesn't not it was not just a Muslim thing. It was I feel like it was a lot of different sort of religious groups, at least in the United States. So that was one of the single and most defining things I could think of. You know, obviously it kept making me sort of angry that the more Muslim the community got, different communities that we had, the less uh, they cared about Pakistan, and like the more they would basically pick on Pakistan as a scapegoat. And by default. Uh, Pakistan was part of my identity and so I was being attacked, you know, even at my own mosque, you know. Okay, Pakistan is the bad guy, that's why we're in this problem here. You know, they were, they supported yeah. the Taliban, they were, you know, they harbor Osama bin Laden and all, all this, all this stuff. And no one was defending Pakistan, so that made me like, it kind of alienated me. Yeah. I internalized that and I was like, okay, well, let's look at this from like a rational perspective. So that's where it started, I guess. I remember you mentioning this a little bit, and I, I kind of related to it as well, which is feeling that exclusion from American society, right? Because you're a Muslim. And then when you go to the masjids to kind of identify more with people who are more similar to you, then there's an exclusion due to being Pakistani. And then, of course, when you speak to Pakistanis, at least I felt this, is uh, we kind of had a whole different world and a whole, whole different impression of things. Like, you know, everybody else is wrong, only we are correct. Pretty much. In, in matters where, where others did not like us, as Pakistanis at least. I know right. that we, you know, we have some sentiments, for example, in our history against Bangladesh. Absolutely. And Afghanistan, you know, there's there, there, there's a lot of uh, conflict there, I think, between people from, from those countries. Also, like, you know, uh, because Pakistan was not included in conversations of identity after 9-11, I think the kids growing up, the Pakistani origin kids growing up in the West and, and particularly North America, I want to say, there are only two logical choices when it came to Pakistani identity of any sort was either they identified with like being Muslim, which meant like largely meant, uh, let's be realistic here, like Arab culture mm -hmm. or Bollywood, which is Indian. Yeah, yeah, very true. You know, there was no, no one support, even people in the Pakistani community, they didn't, If you, even if you ask them today, it's hard for them to explain what Pakistani culture is. Uh, mm -hmm. when people ask me what Pakistani culture is, I typically point them towards Coke Studio. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's a good mix of like secular, yeah. rational slash religious identities that combine Pakistan, Sufi identities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
it's a personal frustration of mine. Just this whole idea when I speak to people that are Pakistani, right, over here, or, or mm. young kids especially, mm. and I talk about, yeah, you know, how, uh, are you... How Pakistani do you consider yourself? How much do you relate back? And they're like, yeah, I love Bollywood. I love Shah Rukh Khan and all that, right? Yeah. And yeah. to me, that kind of attacks that identity that it seems like we've been lacking all this time. Like, what is Pakistani stuff? You know, if we, for, for example, can we claim biryani? Not really. Like, biryani exists in India too. Well, I, I, what I would say to that, <laughs> uh, and I'm not trolling. I used to troll, but like now I, I've sort of like articulated in a way that, you know, Honestly, the future of biryani is in Pakistani hands, bro. Because uh, <laughs> when when biryani first came out, there yeah. was no country to claim it. You can say it, because you know India didn't actually exist as a country before like 1947. No matter what anybody says, it just didn't. So to say mm-hmm. biryani is Indian is is being a bit disingenuous. It's just not. It's it's true by technicality because in present day India, like in Delhi in that area, that's probably where biryani originated. Yeah, but those people don't even eat like meat properly, for God's sake. For better, for lack of a better word, for God's sakes. Ironic. <laughs> yeah, we've evolved the biryani to what it is today. Like we, as in like people of Pakistani origin, all over Pakistan. So we run that shit. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've I've eaten at various Indian restaurants, and they have biryani, for example, on their menu. So the popular destinations where I guess biryani is famous in India are places like Hyderabad. Yeah. Where, you know, there's a lot of Muslims, there's a lot of Mughlai cuisine that involves biryani. Right, right. And then, of course, we know that Lahore ki asli biryani hai. I've never heard of a Lahore biryani, bro. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I've heard of it. So my foray into atheism, I guess, was not necessarily direct. It was more like... I was still religious, you know, I was, you know, people often question me, okay, like, you were not religious at all in the first place. Well, I keep telling them, you know, okay, I was religious. I was actually, I wasn't overtly religious, but I knew, like, my hadith, I knew, I, I read the namaz, mm-hmm. um, I was actually a hafiz of three pare, the first three pare before. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah, that was ancient, ancient, ancient history. First three pare, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant surats, because the first three surahs were... Well, Surah Bakara is pretty yeah, long. Yeah, it's pretty long. But yeah, yeah. I mean, still, the spot is pretty long too. So that's an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. But then they'll say things like, well, that doesn't really mean you're a Muslim. Like, they'll keep moving the goalposts, right? Mm-hmm. They move the goalposts. What actually what real Muslim means is like XYZ, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know come on these are impossible standards bro <laughs> you know this is not kind of a promotion of atheism on my part but i discuss this a lot as a kind of a criticism of our own people which is often how many of us would have kind of studied islam to the extent that we make a decision that this is the right religion right my argument would be there, uh, maybe you'd agree, is that we are Muslim because we were born into it. Because there's actually a substantial amount of Pakistanis that I've noticed who have not read the Quran with meaning, with mm. the, you know, full translation. It bothers me a lot because, for example, this past few days, I was talking to people who were saying that they only 
कोई किसी के बारे में बोल रही थी कि उन्होंने सिर्फ एक बार कुरान मजीद खत्म किया ऐसे रोजों में एंड देर सपोज फिनिश इट फोर फाइव टाइम्स लाइक मेरे बच्चों ने तो चार पांच बार खत्म किया है इतनी स्पीड से वो पढ़ते हैं इट्स लाइक यू नो कुरान इज लाइक स्पीड कॉन्टेस्ट सच्चे मुस्लिम तो बस वही है ना वहाँ पे मे बी आई कैन डू यू वन बेटर के दिंग इज You know that's a good example, but you know just the way I see it, and this is I think it's a pretty respectful way of putting this. Like you know, if agar first karo ke aaj is work, sab logon ki memory wapas like wipe ho jaye completely, right? And we sort of start over as humanity, right? Um, though we will not get the same religions we have right now. There's just no way. To me, we will never have the same type of religions ever again. But like you know, one thing that would be constant would be science. Like the laws of physics would not change, the law of gravity would not change, space would not change, you know. But like every like religion, every religious ethos and like mythology that we have, and every single sort of religion would not, it would disappear. I'm not sure if there's a scientist who said this, but there's a obviously we're looking for extraterrestrial life, right? Like life outside mm. of the Earth. Mm. And suppose we actually ended up finding a civilization, like an intelligent. Uh, species intelligent civilization somewhere far out there right that would i feel like it would answer a lot of questions because to what you're saying if those people are just like any you know um mm. like culture they they have a culture of their own mm-hmm. if those people are all are also questioning their existence right the odds are they'll have they'll have completely different religions from the religions that exist here on earth but i think from an islamic point of view our assumption would be if if that type of place exists then most likely a, a prophet would have been sent to that world as well that would be the logical a discovery of that type of world would answer a lot of questions i, I guess in favor of science or in favor of religion one way or the other because the islamic answer to your question would just be well you know if every if everybody's memory would be wiped god would have a plan for that yeah but then like So that's the thing you mm-hmm. I you get into suppositions that and sort of these these scenarios yeah. that you cannot <laughs> you know touch I know um so like yeah there's that's the fallacy right there that you can't disprove it so if you know so I guess I don't see it as that black and white so if, if aliens did show up to me it would have nothing to do with religion it'd be like okay great let's try to figure out the shit where are, why are we here you know who are these people mm-hmm. you know what can we learn from them that would be sort of my concern yeah. but uh but i hear you yeah right so around uh, around what age were you when i guess you started asking these questions and you you flipped the other way i was 25 i think 26 okay so this was a good i guess, i would say maybe 4 or 5 years after 9/11 yeah 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 25 so 9/11 may around i was around 18 by 5 6 years later maybe 7 years so around like 2008 like Yeah, just maybe 2007 I would say. 2007 was when I completely made the hard, you know, yeah. bre- Brexit or whatever. Uh Yeah. I see. Apni family ko kab bataya? To meri family jo hai, main hum log ki matlab baatein chalti rehti thi is tarah ki na ke I would talk to my mom, I would talk to people, my friends, family, just sort of question things, you know. It'd be easier to question because I wanted to you know i was religious and i wanted to like test the limits of my faith and i wanted to make sure that you know that's one way to like make sure everything's bulletproof you check it right so i was just ask questions and if i didn't get the answers you know the default answer typically is like ke jao tum scholar se maloom karo ja ke and then like fortunately for me the internet 
you know, the scholars have like websites set up oftentimes and you can literally ask questions. Sometimes you can call them, you know, sorry, email them or go to the websites and, and stuff. If stuff didn't match up, you know, um, Mm -hmm. when it came to like women's rights and things like that, it really made me like question things. And like, I just was not getting satisfactory answers. Uh, Hmm. you know, I wasn't seeking out, uh, with the goal of like, you know, disproving the Shia Islam that I followed, you know, I, I was trying to like, desperately trying to like, make sure it was a good faith. Mm. And it was until it wasn't, you know, until it just doesn't offer the answers that you, that you uh, can rationalize. Whereas, whereas answers is from, from scientific perspective, really, really appealed to me. And I'm not a scientist. No. Okay. So then again, you said you had been having these conversations a lot with your family. Right. 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 And and I'm assuming you're the first person in your family who who made this move. So openly, yeah, I think so. I basically I started sitting down with my friends and family and I just used to tell them like I openly question, okay, well this doesn't make sense to me. How can this be true? Yeah. Uh, I just don't, you know, I don't buy it. Did you ever get this uh reaction ke tum batamizi kar rahe you know, gustakhi kar from your family no because you know if you if you are coming to it from a place of genuine curiosity and confidence yeah um you know if the person you're talking to is you know really really you know, interested in like answering you or helping you find answers they will not get mad if they do they are scared and they don't have the answers and you know that type of thing yeah, well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I guess uh, you could say there's a lot of sensitive things in Islam, which uh, just the fact that they're brought up sometimes can be, they can be a little worrying for some people. For example, uh, I'm not sure in Shia Islam whether they believe the same thing, but we have, it's a debated fact, I guess, that the Prophet married Aisha when she was about nine years old. Right, right. He married her when she was six, and then the Rukhsati happened when she was nine. Right, so right. Most uh, Sunni, Sunni Islam, may, that's the most uh, authentic hadith that mentions that. There are right. other hadiths that say different ages. Some hadiths say she was 12, some say she was 15, some say she was 17, things like that. But, right. you know, when, whenever you bring that up, obviously you can you can approach that question in a, in a type of way that it sounds very disrespectful by today's standards. Right. Did you did you have yeah. that that type of thing, that type of discussion? I did, but like I guess that was not my worry because at least in most Shia schools of thought, the hadiths that they sort of go by, they all sort of like um, agree that she was close to sixteen or eighteen. I see. Okay. Yeah. So they don't have that issue. It's more of a sort of a maybe mainstream Sunni Islam issue where they're not they're not they don't yeah. really agree on which particular hadith is correct. So I didn't necessarily have that uh, worry, um, and you know, approaching this subject, it is you know, it's very delicate, you know. And again, I just want to remind anybody listening: this is my personal view. This is my journey. It has nothing to do with like anybody I know, or my family, or or the faith I used to follow, or the Muslim faith in general, you know, or my community. It's these are my sort of my thoughts and things. My mom still doesn't accept <laughs> accept me. <laughs> As a non-Muslim, she accepts me as her child, but like not as a non-Muslim. She is just, you know, refuses to believe it. But you know, yeah. Um, so how, how does that go? Like you, you go visit her, and she just, she's okay with you, though, right? She's like normal with you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I joke around a lot sometimes here and there, you know. Uh, and I still say like the Islamic greetings and things like that because again, this is culturally right. uh, my culture because I don't know how else to say goodbye to my mom except for Khuda Hafiz. 
It's a Persian word, yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and Khuda, Khuda typically implies like God, not necessarily Allah specifically, but God in general. So, we say that Khuda Ji can be any Khuda, Khuda Ji can be any Khuda. So, that's why we Khuda Hafiz don't say Khuda. I mean, I, w- I would say that if you believe in one God, then when you say Khuda, wouldn't that be referring to that God anyway? Well, you know, you're doing it, you know, Ji. Allah is Allah. Yeah. That's sort of like the yeah. It's kind of a linguistic battle, I think. It's just another one of those. Yeah. You know, Arabic is better than Persian things. Yeah, and there's a, there's there's multiple political layers and bigotry involved there too. So there's yeah. there's a lot of sort of. But my point is, I'm not gonna make like new, like I'm not gonna create an atheist Khuda office. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just that's not how culture works. It evolves over thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You know, even even uh, I'm I'm just searching on Google Translate right now. And I, I searched goodbye in Urdu, and I got Khuda Hafiz. Yeah. And I searched yeah. bye, and I got Alwida. So Alwida could work, right? Al-Wida. But again, that that's so formal. It doesn't like most people don't yeah. use it. That's the nature of Urdu. It's so formal that people have sort of yeah. So Alwida would yeah. be a good word to say goodbye, and then to say hello would be adabers. That was a very secular way of greeting people of Hindu backgrounds, Christian backgrounds, and non-Muslims backgrounds. Right. So adabers. Mm-hmm. Ada meaning I'm, I bring you greeting, greetings, right? So, yeah, uh, right. That yeah, I still I still use that. Yeah. Okay. Depending on the listener, I feel like most people are aware of atheism, but maybe for some of the listeners, this is a this is still a relatively new concept. Like, if you don't believe in Islam, if you don't believe in Islam, then what are you Islamists? Are you Hindus? Are you Satan? Or something like that. Or what? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> clarify that a little bit. Like, what do atheists believe in? If you don't believe in God, then what do you believe in? If you are not Muslim, or you don't believe in God, then you are la-mazhab. In Urdu, there is a word for la-mazhab. Atheism. La-mazhab. Let me just put it this way. जितने भी रिलीजन्स हैं सब इफ दे वर डिफरेंट टीवी चैनल्स ठीक है कि एक एक डिज्नी चैनल हो गया एक एच हो गया और एक फला हो गया एक ए एक जे हो गया तो एथियजम इज एक्चुअली एन ऑफ बटन इट इज जस्ट द लैक ऑफ दीन एंड दैट्स रियली ऑल दर इज इट्स जस्ट लाइक इट्स नॉट अ कोहिसिव ग्रुप पीपल ऑफन थिंक के ये एथियस्ट फिर है फला है ढिमकाना है भाई एथियस्ट फिर है ही नहीं इसमें थिंग इज Anybody who doesn't have religious belief uh, is automatically Lamazab is an atheist. It just is. Whether they live in in an igloo in es- like an Eskimo land in Alaska, mm-hmm. whether they live like in Maldives, whether they live in Africa, they don't have to be connected. They don't have a reason to. Uh, they don't. There's no one specific way to follow anything because there's nothing to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the best way I've come up with to uh, to explain it. Yeah. And while we're at it, could you differentiate between atheism and agnostic agnosticism? Well, this is my personal again. This is my personal interpretation of it, right? Um, this is not a. I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a philosopher. I, 
एग्नास्टिसम मेरे ख्याल में वो स्टेज है जिसमें लोग यकीन मानते हैं कि कोई खुदा है कोई ना कोई चीज़ है निज़ाम को चला रही है ये नहीं पता कौन है मगर कोई ना कुछ है तो इसलिए मैं practices of like Judaism or Islam or you know right. Christianity or anything like that. Right. So that that sounds like a very from what I'm reading here and from what you mentioned about agnostics. It sounds like that type of uh, concept. 
I mean, whatever helps you sleep at night, honestly. For me, I'm okay with it. It just, the, it, this type of stuff takes a lot of sort of uh, room in people's heads, potentially. Like, it, I, I have other shit to worry about, dude. You know, there's, di- there's diapers to be changed at home when I get home tonight, you know. I, <laughs> uh, how, how old is your kid? He's eight months old. Eight months old, wow. Yes. That's great. I was going to say, mashallah. Yeah, koi baat Shukriya. <laughs> so, so I'll give you this this bit, okay? People uh, in my family, you know, younger generation, as as well as my wife's circle, counting families uh, from my friends' circles in Houston and Pakistan too. Mm-hmm. One kid in each family of like three out of three kids is definitely leaning towards, or is closeted, or has inquired, or has posted about like these things that I'm talking to you about, and they often reach out to me specifically. Uh, because I sort of like put these things on Facebook and Twitter oftentimes uh, openly. And they ask me the same type of questions that you're asking me right now, often with the intention of not because they hate Islam, not because they hate their Sunni faith, not because they hate their Shia faith or whatever, but because they're mm-hmm. genuinely interested in like what I found. I, I feel like it is definitely a growing thing. I wouldn't call it a trend. I think it's just a consequence of having an a relatively more open society that we live in. Yeah. The internet is very big in that. And, uh, you know, your, your bubble is going to get smaller and smaller in the future as you go along. I think it's something that's been happening to Christianity for some time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it started happening Islam in more in a more accelerated fashion after 9-11, possibly. It's interesting how that happened, but I felt like uh, Muslims were much better at keeping to their... They could go out and sin as much as they want, but... They still stuck to their faith uh, a lot more closely than yeah. Christians did in the West. Christians kind of gave up their religion a hundred years ago. Well, many of them. Yeah, <laughs> many of them did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. We can speculate all night, like you know, what the real reasons are, but uh... that's the thing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the Muslims and a lot of the more religious Muslims listening in will be really curious what's causing this because they're they're. they're I feel like a lot of people while listening to this are are feeling panic. Maybe you know. What's happening to our kids? Maybe I should go check up on my on my nephews. I, I would say I would not panic. If you're listening to this and you're panicking, don't panic. It's okay. You know, basically, mm-hmm. maybe this is how your faith evolves to adapt to the modern time. Maybe it mm-hmm. goes to the edge and then it gets reformed. All different branches reform and they, they interpret them, reinterpret themselves in a way that uh, can mm-hmm. offer confidently and tackle like, you know, the issues that we have today, maybe. Because ultimately, that's what religion is, right? It's, it's just a, a way to, for people to get together and live in societies. Although I would argue we have constitutions now, people can get together and do the same thing in courts. Mm-hmm. But back then, religion was the best way to do that, like thousands of years ago. So it's an evolutionary project. Isn't it ironic? Eh? I feel like uh, a lot of the people who have turned to atheism, you know, uh, speaking to you, speaking to a few other people from Islam, they they don't make that decision willy-nilly. They usually study the religion more. And usually studying anything is not a bad thing usually, right? So if you're studying your own religion, it often leads people to become more religious, in fact, which which would be rational. I've seen that happen. Which makes sense. But then the opposite happens too. Some people study their own religion and then the complete opposite effect happens and they just dwindle away. So it's... uh, the same amount of study with the same exact references. We have the Quran and the Hadith and 
these uh, these sources of truth as they are in our religion right, right. yet it can lead studying those things studying those sources can lead people to different paths i find that so interesting yeah i mean the human mind is weird yeah <laughs> that's the best way to put it yeah yeah, yeah. you think uh, people should feel threatened by atheism growing out of Pakistanis and Muslims? I'm not sure how, how this is affecting Pakistanis within Pakistan, although on Discord, I see quite a few of them who are, again, closet atheists. They're still kind of figuring out what they want to do in life, right. let alone right. who they are in life. So that's a, that's a separate thing. But yeah, I guess over here in the West, do you think atheism should be regarded as a threat? Or as any in any way, like, uh, does that make you less of a Pakistani by being an atheist? Yeah, that's the constant battle. I just Pakistani, foreign Islam. You know, Gora Pakistani. Yeah, the default is Sunni Islam, you know, in some way. Yeah. I that Pakistan, yes, it was formed for people of Muslim background. But it was not formed uh, with the intention of being a theocracy. I would argue that. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that because people say that it was always meant to be a Muslim theocracy. No, In the sense that no. Pakistan was a country of Pakistan. I don't know how much history But the Islamic State of Pakistan. Yeah, in the 50s and 50s, the name changed to Pakistan, the Islamic Jamhuriyat of Pakistan. Before that, it was the Dominion of Pakistan. And the people that like helped create and fund Pakistan in the beginning, obviously, a majority of them were Sunni, but like the leading effort was from like Shia people and also a, a lot of uh, Ahmadi folks, believe it or not. Hmm. Do you think they wanted like the type of shariat we have in Pakistan right now, do you think that's what their intention was when they said we need a homeland for Muslims? Of course not, no. You know, Jinnah was like, you know, I, I just failed to see it. I just, you know, Pakistan ka matlab kya, la ilaha illallah, that, this came in the 70s, 80s, man. Zawul Haq ke paas shuru hai. You know, usse, usse pehle, usse pehle kya matlab ta Pakistan ka? Matlab, hum bolo kafir ta usse pehle. Okay, so here's, the threat question is, I'll answer this for you right now. Agar aapka deen, اور اگر آپ کا خدا یا آپ کے پروفٹس اگر وہ لرز جاتے ہیں کچھ الفاظوں سے تو اس کا مطلب ہے آپ کا خدا آپ اور آپ کا دین کمزور ہیں اینڈ یو نیڈ ٹو ورک آن دیٹ اف دیٹس آل اٹ ٹیکس مین یو نو دیٹس دیٹس دی ایشو اف یو کینٹ ہینڈل اے فیو ورڈس یو شوڈ فیل تھریٹن دیٹ یو ٹیربل ایٹ وٹ یو ڈو از دس کائنڈ آف ہیو یو بین کیپنگ اپ ود دی ہول بلاس Of in course. Pakistan. Of course. Uh, most recently, I was just reading, actually two days ago, this uh, guy, he, and he's actually a Muslim guy, ironically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Junaid, Junaid something. Junaid Hafiz, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He was a teacher and uh, they, uh, they accused him of tweeting anti-Islamic statements. Right. Uh, with, with a fake account or something. Right. He's been in solitary confinement for the most part in jail for the last six years. Hmm. I find that ridiculous. It's crazy. It so is. Solitary confinement, and then now he's been sentenced, sentenced to death. But the chase all, yeah. I can't even imagine for six years that somebody is sitting completely alone in a dark chamber. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. For number one, what could possibly be a false accusation? 
or number two, it could be a real thing. It could be a real accusation. Maybe he had a different viewpoint. But yeah, you know, doesn't that seem a bit over the top, that punishment? Uh, of course, according to the hadiths, right? As if you mm-hmm. want to take it for, on its word. Uh, when when the Prophet came to power, people still came to argue with him. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever heard of a blasphemy law from like, you know, Madina uh, Kiriyasat Meh? Not that I know of. Not a formalized like blasphemy law. Yeah, I, uh, I, I did a lot of research on this topic uh, several years ago. And this is kind of a following a theme of a much larger theme. Ke hadith mein, at least from the Sunni uh, body of hadith, there's a lot of conflicting hadith which make it really difficult to draw a, you know, say. kind of a solid conclusion. And so around this blasphemy, there's actually, you know, proponents of blasphemy, the law, actually have some hadith that back up their their viewpoints as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. But but I, I completely, I found more, I found myself sympathizing more with the, the ones that you mentioned, like, you know, the 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 prophet was thrown stones and he said, man ke porta, you know, ke liye, logon ke liye. Mm. Again, the hadith has been really difficult to a very difficult not to crack mm. and that's part of the reason why islamic law like you were mentioning in our last recording the islamic law is so difficult to define because there's no, uh, for, there's no one, thing. For one thing there's many different yeah exactly yeah. like namaz par nikhe itni tarike yeah we've thought, you know if you thought yeah. about that namaz par nikhe itni tarike aur mujhe bataya jata tha ke jo log ameen bolte hain those people are wabi <laughs> <laughs> It turned out that no, it's actually a school of thought. It's not a wabi thing. It's just a one school that yeah. actually believes in that. The other school doesn't. Or... Yeah, I would say just, you know, the best thing to do is read and understand and, and be confident and don't take offense. Uh, yeah. And actually, and it's okay to take offense because you will notice no one has ever died from being offended. So learn to take a f-ing word, you know. Well, yeah, nobody's died from being offended, but... People have died from being offensive, and that's the whole issue. Touche, touche. In uh, our Muslim countries. <laughs> touche, touche. It's a good point. That kind of leads us to actually, you know, okay, we have a way that people convert people to Islam, yeah. which is often usually like uh, there's a bunch of religions out there, but uh, our scholars often use the the scientific miracles method, which is that Quran has so miracles, uh-huh. so knowledge, hai, jo, and not, not, no other religion has this many facts. Mm. So, and I, I gotta admit, you know, a lot of the ones that I've read as well are very impressive. Yeah. I wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Like, did you think about that while you were converting out? Yeah, it's, it sticks out as a sore thumb in the face of atheism, right? I mean, how do you explain that atheist? I want to share a few examples. I, I don't have them all written down, but one of them, for example, was just that a uh, very common one, right? Everybody believed the earth was flat and right. the Quran uh, mentioned that earth was, uh, I don't know the exact terminology there, but with some inferences, the Quran proves that the earth is actually round. Whereas the Bible, for example, has mm. clearly mentioned like the four corners of the earth in, in a few of its verses, actually, four yeah. corners of the earth. You're right. You're right. I mean, and then the other one being the embryology stuff, right? That's in the Quran. Yeah. Yeah, right. How, how an embryo grows. How did this scientific knowledge, seemingly scientific knowledge, end up in the Quran? It, you know, seemingly 
written or you know received by somebody who was not sort of like didn't go to school supposedly you know yeah these are things uh you know these are good questions to ask so <clears throat> i can address the how i approach it um this whole issue uh especially you know i'm not a doctor okay i'm not going to talk about embryo cause out there you can do a little bit of research for the, the first thing is we have to understand where the prophet lived and and uh was like in in you know makkah medina makkah makkah medina right back then uh makkah was actually the central trade route for pretty much the known world because you know it was in the middle of europe and the middle of africa and asia like for the known world back then every trade sort of went through and in fact the prophet and his tribe were traders as you know and they were well off traders so like all the best stuff came through makkah and those trade routes from europe from africa from asia so anyway we've we this this is a fact everybody knows this muslims tout it that's fine the other thing is the thing with the embryo knowledge is it was actually discovered this this was like a known scientific fact of the time and how we know this is because like 500 years or 400 years ago before that before islam came into existence there was a greek sort of uh, philosopher a scientist named galen and you can google this this is not my personal opinion and basically he used to experiment on bodies and he would basically like write stuff down and this exact stuff that he wrote appears in the quran almost word by word translate and but how did how did the prophet know about this in the first place but the thing is here's the thing so one of the leading sort of doctors in arabia at that time his name was harith ibn qalada uh he became one of uh the prophet's like closest sahabis because of his medical knowledge essentially his doctor so you could see where the transfer of knowledge how this happens because this is known knowledge of the time from the greeks it comes down to the trade routes somebody of the medical practice in the area understands it later becomes a disciple of uh, the prophet that's how and the in the quran was in nazil ikdam se nazil nahi hota you know this right nazil hua tha over a long period of time over over time yeah so that's and, and and you know you know how we know this exact thing because not only the stuff that galen wrote appears in the quran but it's also wrong <laughs> you know we've we've proven it's relatively wrong it it appears like the order of like basically like the descriptions are like right but like what the stuff does is wrong there's like papers research papers about this stuff so while relatively scientific looking knowledge exists in the quran for sure absolutely mm-hmm. same thing with the round earth this was the earth was discovered to be round Uh, I want to say like 600 700 years before you know before Islam came before Christianity in fact um mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember again I think it was a, 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 the uh, the ancient Greeks the guy named uh the Pythagorean theorem is named after this guy the Greek guy Pythagoras Pythagoras yeah he discovered it, it was him he was the one who kind of came up with you know uh the earth is probably round and And again the, and and uh, the Middle East traded a lot with ancient Greece and Egypt back then you know and those places used to be hubs of knowledge before they disappeared so these were known facts these were not something that was sort of suddenly came out of nowhere you know mm-hmm. and and by the way the prophet at the time 
was actually as educated as a person could get. They didn't have schools back then, so there was a lot of oral sort of education, and he was sort of you know privileged in the sense where he you know uh, he belonged to a tribe of like uh, uh, traders, and at that point, traders were basically ruled countries and regions. Well, wasn't it a, a common statement that he didn't know how to read, and that's one of the reasons why the Quran came as a miracle? I can't comment on that because I don't know, but yeah. uh, I can just only comment on things that you're saying about like how is the stuff present in the Quran, and also like he, there's no uh, evidence of him writing anything in the. I think the first Quran was written by either Hadrat Umar, or Hadrat Ali, or Usman. I don't know which one. It was one of the Khalifas uh, mm-hmm. who actually you know wrote it. Yeah, because most of the Quran was actually spoken through. Well, it was spoken. It was memorized. There you go. So that's that's kind of how I approach this. I don't. I'm not very impressed by it. I guess. So you're saying basically most of it is uh, explainable because it ex- it already existed. This was no knowledge of the t- at the time. It just was. There's just no way around it. I, I'll I'll tell you this much. I mean, if if you're presenting the Quran as some sort of a scientific proof in a court of law, in a secular court of law, unbiased, relatively unbiased, it will not hold up. It will not hold up. There's just no way. There's no. There's nothing verifiable in there that peer-reviewed research can, you know. There's a reason why in scientific journals, in peer-reviewed journals, they don't use the Quran as a justification of like, that's why we have isolated this DNA, this isotope. No, they do it via the scientific method. They do it where somebody on the other side of the world who knows nothing about you can take those same raw materials and come to the same conclusions. It's science and not religion for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think most Muslims actually will agree to it. Most Muslim scholars agree to it, that there is that faith aspect in the religion. Meaning at the end of the day, you have to have that iman. Okay, this is the right religion. If the, if all the answers were in there, then every single person would be a Muslim, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. But obviously there's a gray area. So, yeah. That's where the faith part comes in. Oh yeah, that's... When uh... iman comes over. So what do That's the answer to that. Uncle, uncles are very shocked that you don't have any faith in this. Uncle, you go and sleep. You have to You Mind your own f***ing business. Like, you know. What will happen if someone is You're going to have to pay for your own bills. You know, no one else is like preventing you from like living your life. Mm-hmm. So going forward, yeah. I mean, that's how you have to think. I mean, the world is getting very small. Wait, ghost, ghost ka kya example tha yaha? Wo halal haram, you know, jhatke ka ghost aur falna ye wo, ye wo. Ya isme inhone matlab chocolate bar mein inhone wo pig mila dete hain ye kya? You know, and just any number of things, bro. Just uh. Well, I have a I have a cousin actually who is very religious, and he it's a funny story. You know, he he got he became very religious. He wasn't very religious before. He was like a, a party goer. He went to the factory to see Yeah, make sure that And then even when you eat at a restaurant that's not enough like you have to find out who their supplier who their distributor is <laughs> yeah. yeah where are you buying your meat from where where they pray yeah yeah investigation i feel like in pakistan you need more yeah 
you know very vague too is he treating the animal right is this person you know itni bedardi se like rakhte hain wo camels ko aur cattle ko ke aap to behosh hi ho jaye aap halal karne investigate nikle aap behosh ho jayenge aap jaake dekh ke na farm jaye kabhi aap yahan pe bhaise palte hain do you think it's difficult to be an atheist yaar for somebody who's kind of attempts to be woke like me i find that in today's world no matter where i go i'm kind of caught between like a crusade between like religions yahan pe jaun aur ladai ho rahi hoti hai and you're caught in the middle main dc mein rehta hu i mean there's always war and christmas and fala dimkana going on there drama aap india jaye ya pakistan jaye you know it's just not only is it difficult to be an atheist and live your life but you have to protect yourself from like anything sort of the overtly religious are attempting to throw at you and involve you in. so that's just a dramatic aspect of it but then but yeah there's there's a lot of things like everything that we do is you know revolved i have to like you know like jisna musliman hote hain har cheez mein jab uh if you live in the west ke halal haram ka chakkar hota hai ke dhoondna hota hai ke kya cheez halal hai kya cheez haram hai kisi se milawat hui hui hai nahi it's the same way for me as an atheist here where <clears throat> for example if i'm donating to a charity i must figure out if it's a christian charity or a religious charity or not because oftentimes religious charities favor people who are of that religion like uh, i think the purple heart for example mm-hmm. absolutely batshit insane but they're everywhere and they're sort of no one really talks about it salvation army same thing yeah so i have my own halal haram issues you know <laughs> and it, they typically revolve around morality and and sort of rationalism like is this organization being kind how is my money being affected uh, it has nothing to do with religion but i find myself sort of doing this halal haram thing in my own way all the time hmm. how do you uh, define your morality where do you get that from like who tells you ke chori karna bura hai ya kisi ko qatl karna bura you know buri cheez hai a lot of people feel Okay, you need religion yeah. to uh, put those guidelines for yourself. Oh man, you got me. I'm I'm going to turn Muslim tomorrow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You were definitely a troll in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had a phase. Everybody's had a phase, you know. Uh, you know, people do ask me that all the time. Is ke liye itna mushkil nahi answer kyunki we've had societies well before Islam. We will continue to have them after after the religion is gone. There have been like 3000 gods and thousands of gods in the past. I don't think any of them have ever influenced morality in one way shape or form and if they have only artificially. For me, morality comes from myself. I feel morality comes from ourselves. In fact, because it's an evolutionary thing. Like we've we've developed ways to live in groups so that lions and tigers don't kill us while we lived in caves. We organized in caves and agreed to not kill each other. in order to fight existential threats we we were nice to each other so the lions somebody could watch the lions you know we basically it was like a primitive way of ensuring our survival that has evolved into rules and regulations in today's world what we have on paper nowadays called laws laws are morals because we all agree that they are not just because jesus told us or hanuman insisted that this is moral you know we all obey them out of our own free will That's where morality comes from. Not from religion. That's my view on it anyway. So, yeah. I see. I guess just getting to the root of the problem, right? 
रूट ये कि जब लोग अपने नहीं लगते ना देन यू कैन ऑफ गेट आउट कैस्टेड और ये हमारी पाकिस्तानी सोसाइटी में तो खास तौर पर बहुत यू नो आई थिंक ह्यूमन बींग्स एज ए स्पीसीज राइट फॉर इंक्लूजन वी ट्राई टू फाइंड पीपल हुआ लाइक अस टू बी आवर फ्रेंड्स हुआ लाइक अस यू नो टू गेट मैरी टू एंड थिंग्स लाइक दैट तो फॉर एग्जाम्पल वाई इज अ कॉन्ट्रोवर्सो फॉर अ मुस्लिम टू मेरी अ हिंदू उसकी वजह यह है कि वो अपने नहीं लगते यू नो उनका कल्चर बिल्कुल अलग है उनकी उनका लाइफ स्टाइल बिल्कुल अलग है दिस इज समथिंग दैट आई आई फील लाइक यू माइट बी डीलिंग विद इफ नॉट दैन मे बी अदर पीपल आर डीलिंग विद वन दे कैन लीव द रिलीजन हाउ वुड यू कैन सेट दोज पीपल एट ईज के यू नो वी आर स्टिल पाकिस्तानी यू नो हम फिर भी आप जैसे ही लोग हैं राइट I don't know that's a good question I don't know how to answer that um to be honest the, uh, the straight answer is I don't know the uh, the other answer would be uh, so I my purpose in life is to sort of rehab the image associated with the with the name Pakistan it's a selfish desire to help heal that sort of thing uh that word so people may look and in my life in the world would be easier when I travel and and as a result I have become more Pakistani than anybody I know लोग कहते हैं यार तुम ज्यादा ज्यादा ही वो नहीं हो गया कुछ कि ज्यादा ही हर चीज में पाकिस्तान घुसेड़ देते हो अंदर यार बिकॉज पाकिस्तान मेरे अंदर है जस्ट लाइक द यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स इट्स इट्स पार्ट ऑफ मी यूनाइटेड स्टेट्स इज पार्ट ऑफ मी एंड एंड माई मुस्लिम बैकग्राउंड इज ऑल्सो पार्ट ऑफ मी आई आई डोंट वॉन्ट एनी बडी टू लाइक सफर बिकॉज एर मुस्लिम आई आई डू डिफेंड दीज थिंग्स वन आई नीड टू but my i found my sort of goal in life and that is to sort of rehab my image uh which 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 has been disrupted by people of of ironically you know people of muslim faiths and people of pakistani background i have like picked up a lot of allies as a result and i picked up a community of sorts you know that's why people sort of any project that i do in my work it's translated into everything like uh anything i'm doing like when i have like like non pakistani people over at my house for a dinner or a birthday party i make sure every time they say something about related to pakistan i correct them i introduce them to coke studio i introduce them to like you know uh people uh bloggers from pakistan i introduce them to like things about pakistan that can benefit their sort of idea yeah and in that i found community all over the world right yeah it's so interesting right like you mentioned get you still you still follow a lot of muslim practices you follow the greetings you follow the mekyakum goes how what else would you say to your mom like what's up bro yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah pakistani culture is so ingrained in uh, the religion too they that that does even if you leave the religion if you want to follow the culture or the nationality uh, it still sticks with you like you mentioned yeah i fucking love ruwaza bro ramzan mein to you know chalta hai doon mein milao jisme milao you know whatever main to drink mein mila deta hu Yeah, I hear you. Does it bother you that uh, if you were living in another country, a Muslim country, Pakistan, me to me, I'm not a law, but uh, in other countries, that uh, being an atheist could get you hung or sentenced to death or imprisonment at the least in some countries for, yeah. for being openly expressive about yourself? Absolutely. Even in Texas, where you and I have roots, we are not allowed to hold public office. We're atheists, technically speaking. I mean, it's it's written. It's written down in the Constitution of Texas. Interesting. Yeah. So this is an uphill battle. This is the battle for sort of humanity, and and you have we have to talk about these things, point them out, no matter where we see them. 
uh, for me that places places like Texas or Pakistan you know Pakistan a bigotry hey I'm sure hand laws against atheism I just don't know of them I'm sure there's something there if not in the state yeah. level if not the federal level then professional level yeah, I'm sure hoga Was that part of your thinking as well around that time? Okay, all, all the bad things that are happening in the world. If there was a god, then those would not be happening. I mean, if, if, a, if a divine, benevolent, and omnipotent entity allows for that to happen, then the benevolence part is not believable for me. With AIDS and, and cancerous tumors, you know, I know a few friends with children like that. You know, yeah, I can't imagine what the parents go through, man. Like, who deserves that? Like, what kind of, like, answer is that? Mm-hmm. What kind of a f***ing answer? If you have kids, I urge you to listen to somebody like that in person and, and I urge you to stop yourself from, like, punching this person in the face because that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the benevolence of it. I just don't see the benevolence of it. And if you think the bad things are all the fault of the sins and the good things are all the fault of God, why are you like only crediting the good stuff to God? Why not? If he's the omnipotent, she's the omnipotent and benevolent thing that controls everything. Why don't you always also credit the bad stuff with, with God too? Like give give them all the credit. You're saying, for example, if you want to say something, Alhamdulillah, you know, my job is done, Alhamdulillah, my child is mine. That's right. But when something is bad, then, then uh, obviously we don't do that. Must be my fault or I have done something, or Shaitan has done something. It's not like that. It's not a problem. Yeah, exactly. It's not a problem. 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 We know that's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the uh, the colorful jadus. <laughs> you know, like here's another thing. Like you know, my parents used to tell me back then, when you know, when we used we were in Pakistan, and they would warn me, like, hey, be careful when you go out. Don't tell people you're Shia, because you know, um, there's a lot of extremism here, and you know, this is what. often sometimes Sunnis will do and you know in Zia'ul-Haq's time Zia'ul-Haq's time they did do these things to people you know like the corporal punishment Islamic style was evident and it was there but then when we grew up and we were in a safer environment in the United States and my ter- parents turned religious themselves and I started going to the mosque and I realized we have the same shit it's just because we didn't have the chance to practice it you know iran is the same way same as saudi arabia and quite other mm-hmm. quite quite a few other countries in that same way there's no it it makes people who are weak afraid uh, as opposed to more pious yeah i agree i agree with what you're getting at there because i i often argue for this if there's a if there's a system that we have like a governing system that gives absolute power absolute power corrupts absolutely right you know that that is uh, something that we have to be wary of Perhaps there is a good way to apply Islamic law, I don't know, but I've never seen it. Well, that's that's what's called a no true Scotsman fallacy. Have you ever heard of that? No. No true Scotsman. So the, the euphemism is that uh, people in Scotland are very proud of being Scottish. No matter what Scottish person you have to say, Scottish person is Scottish person And that Scotsman does not exist, you know, just this perfect Scotsman. 
ایسی شریعت نہیں چاہیے میں ایسی ہونی چاہیے اصلی اسلام ایسا ہوتا ہے اصلی اسلام کیا ہے بھائی اگر اصلی اسلام دیر از نو سچ تھنگ دیر از نو سچ تھنگ از شریعت دیر از نو سچ تھنگ اصلی شریعت ادھر از اور آئی نو دس از لائک این ایگزسٹینشل سورٹ آف لائک کانورسیشن دیٹ ویئر گوئنگ ان ٹو بٹ بٹ دیٹس دا فیلسی یو کین ڈس پروو اٹ بٹ یو اسٹرائیو فار دس آئیڈیل دیٹ ڈزنٹ ایگزسٹ اینڈ نیور ول بیکاز اٹس ناٹ پریکٹیکل اگین آئی ہیئر آئی ہیئر وٹ یو سینگ دیر بیکاز آئی ایم جسٹ تھنکنگ اباؤٹ مائی اون فیملی لائف اینڈ دا نمبر آف پیپل دیٹ ویو ایکسکلوڈ دا نمبر آف گروپس دیٹ وی ہیو ایکسکلوڈ فرام دا کائنڈ آف دا فولڈ آف اسلام بیسڈ آن آر اون ڈیفینیشن It just raises that question over and over again, you know, okay, Islam, how do we define it? For example, let's go, you know, in our family, mein, for example, in our family circle, mein, mm. Ahmadiyya ko bar to, bar nikal diya. Mm. Shias are also not considered true Muslims. Yeah, of course. Well, they're the number one enemy. Yeah, yeah. Then, then they're within Sunnis. They don't have to get rid of them. They don't have to get rid of them. They don't have to Those guys are following this particular scholar. We don't follow them. You know, So there's like a very specific set of practices that we defend. And I, I come, I guess my family is more from a Brailvi viewpoint, yeah, which as yeah. you might have known, Brailvi's also are kind of fighting a war within Pakistan. They're trying to defend practices that are usually not considered as part of mainstream Islam. Like, yeah. for example, they believe this whole like a mysticism aspect. Right. You know, I'm a woman. دربارو پہ جاتے ہیں ادھر جا کے ہم چیزیں مانگتے ہیں فرام فرام آر پیر وٹ ایور دا ڈیڈ پیئرس اینڈ ہارڈ ٹائم کائنڈ آبزاربنگ دیٹ بٹ یو نو اٹ از اے میجر پرسینٹیج دیٹ دے ڈو کمپرائز اے میجر پرسینٹیج آف پاکستانیز گڈ نمبر آئی فائنڈ مائی سیلف چیلنجنگ مائی اون فیملیز ایٹیٹیوڈ ٹوڈز دیٹ I don't necessarily agree with it. Right. We have this, okay? But then you on the, on the other side, you got these, these uh, extremists who are just blowing up any shrine that they see right. and killing innocent people in there just for what? Like dancing, like Sufi style dancing and then yeah. you consider that so bad you wanted to go kill them? Right. You know, Sufis are going to be a different thing. Shias are going to be a different Then Sufis right. have their own different schools of thought. وہ آپس میں لڑی جا رہے ہیں نماز کیسے صحیح طرح پڑھتے ہیں اور جب لوگ کہتے ہیں کہ اسکالرس کے پاس جاؤ تو وہ ادھر بھی میں جا کے تھوڑا سا کنفیوز ہو جاتا ہوں کیونکہ کتنے سال لگ You know, it's not a bad thing, those types of things. And, you know, at an equal level of study, when you see that happening at that, at that high of a level, it again raises the question, I will also end with saying, you know, this question of that scholars have to go and they've studied for 50 years, they've studied for 10 years, they've studied for 10 years, they know it. I don't really care for Arabic. The problem is that oftentimes you can study for 60, 70 years. I respect that, man. Uh, that's dedication. But there's often something called privilege that comes with being able to study something. And there's also, I, you know, the privilege of having an experience that somebody that you don't know is going through. For example, if you go to a Sunni scholar and ask, why do Shias do this in Pakistan? They'll have, they'll have a scholarly answer for you, but the realistic answer is 
they have no clue because a Shia's experience in Pakistan, a mainstream Shia's experience in Pakistan, uh, who where they have been persecuted and almost every family I know has mourned like one dead person assassinated by Sunni extremists. So like that aspect, you know, there, there's no answer uh, a scholar can explain for that type of thing. There's, mm -hmm. they cannot answer like actual real life answer. I just don't think they can realistically. You can be st stuck in a book for forever of your religious book, but there's no way for you to know how I feel, you know, what my journey is. Mm -hmm. Just no way. Yeah, your point goes back to that whole uh, no true Scotsman fallacy that you mentioned. Okay, mm. you know, a lot of these scholars, if they disagree with something that happened, they'll be like, nee, nee, ye sahi baat nee, you know, asli se nee karte, ye aise karte. And th so each one of them are living in this world, this utopian world that they've designed in their mind that doesn't exist. Like, if it's like that, I'm saying if it's like that, then no one will kill So if everybody was like a, a Sunni, Hanafi, Brailvi. Who spoke Urdu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you are going to define it, you will define it. If you are going to define it, So, so, I was looking to get married. So, I was forced to get you know, Urdu speaking now, Punjabi. Oh shit, okay. <laughs> oh shit, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Karachi walon se nikar sakte, you know, hmm. Punjabi ladki honi chahiye. I was like, okay, you know, now we're getting a little racist here, hmm. but okay, let's throw a little racism into the mix. Phir <laughs> Punjabi se, you know, pakki sachi musliman honi chahiye. Pakki sachi musliman kya matlab sunni? Or, you know, khatam padne wali barelvi, I guess. Or, you know, like all the practices that we've kind of follow. Or sef Lahore se ho, kyunke pindi wale kafir hote hain, sabko pata hai. <laughs> it was funny, every week she would introduce a new filter criteria, and I work with data a lot, right? So when you start with a million records of data, eventually you apply so many filters that you get down to like four records, four, four rows of data in, a, in an Excel sheet. Yeah. So that's what it was kind of looking like. <laughs> and you know, so that basically meant that you can't get a cousin. So I said, I'm going to go to the next one. Yeah. So, you know, again, my mom never enforced anything, but it was just really interesting how she can do that over a topic like marriage. And that's that's how we are kind of as people, too. Yeah. We think everybody else, we have like no patience for anybody else. Punjabis, for example, they got this this weird animosity for the Muhajirs and then vice versa. Yeah. 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 Oh, my dad used to be so racist against Punjabi. It's not even funny. I, uh, it was funny when I was a kid, but then like I was like, all right, bro, yeah. dad, yeah, this, <laughs> you know, his racism was in response to the persecution he faced uh, yeah. while in Pakistan. It doesn't give him a right to do it, but you know, but yeah, it exists yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we are just uh, religion is one thing, but uh, we've gotten so used to division, just being divisive people, and I think that's part of the 
you know, going back to that, what we were discussing about Pakistan, the misfortunes of Pakistan, I think until you and I should agree on this game, until we unite, at least in, in that aspect, first of all, everybody deserves to live with, with, with a right to opinion. True, true. And we can unite in, in that at least, and at least be able to tolerate each other, then that's a, a great step forward in progressing this country. अगर ऐसे ही सोच में रहेंगे कि नहीं इनको मार देना चाहिए ये असली मुसलमान नहीं है ये असली पाकिस्तानी नहीं है इनको बाहर निकाल दो दैट टाइप ऑफ थिंग तो दिस टाइप ऑफ एक्सक्लूजनरी माइंड सेट इज नॉट गेट एस एनी वर पाकिस्तानी See you, man. Take care. Alveda. <laughs> Alveda. <laughs> See ya. This concludes our two-part conversation series with Ali. I hope you found this series useful and insightful. If you Google at least one thing during or after listening to this episode, I would call that a win. And I hope this can show that even though Ali and I did not agree on several things, and no two people ever will, by the way. that we can still have a respectful discussion and of course we can still find common ground and at the very least my personal takeaway for you is my message for unity towards the end that pakistanis need to unite as a people and put things like sunni shia isai la mazhabi punjabi pathan muhajir etc etc aside and that no one deserves to die over their background or personal viewpoints If you enjoyed this episode of Popcorn, remember to check out our other episodes. You can easily find all of them on our website popcorn.com. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, jahan bhi aap podcast ko sunte hain. Main Patari pe bhi hum hain. So find us wherever you want to listen to us and subscribe. We also really appreciate positive reviews on iTunes. And if you have any feedback, any questions, any comments, we love feedback. Feel free to message us on Instagram. You can follow us at, at @popcorn on Instagram or email us at hello@popcorn.com. We love getting feedback. We love hearing from you. And this podcast is specifically made for you, our Pakistani audience. I do this as kind of a side hobby right now. I do it out of pure passion to bring the Pakistani youth together across the world, and I hope I'm somewhat successful at doing that through this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.